Welcome to the first episode of the Baseball Empress Podcast, a podcast for baseball fans by a baseball fan. I'm Stephanie, your host. I'm a lifelong baseball fan. Uh, full disclosure, I am a big Cardinals fan, but I also just love baseball in general. On the Baseball Empress podcast, I'll have a variety of discussions about Major League Baseball. Um, I am located in St. Louis, so there'll be a focus on the St. Louis Cardinals and the NL Central Division. Initially, episodes will be available every Thursday. In this episode, we will discuss a little bit about what was the Cardinals spring training and my first visit to spring training, the status of the 2020 season, sabermetric of the day, new rules that will be implemented in 2020, and a feature called a player you may not know, but you should. As you all know, we are awaiting a start date for the season. Hopefully we will have a season. Personally, I was counting down the days until spring training and the regular season. been waiting all winter. Um, and so I actually was planning to take a trip to Florida this year to Jupiter to see the Cardinals spring training for the first time. I arrived in Jupiter on March 12th. And yes, that was the day that spring training was canceled. I was all ready to experience all things that are spring training, the games, um, see the implementation of new rules like the three batter rule, um, watching workouts up close, autographs and pictures from my son. And the best I could do was look through a gate and see a few players from pretty far away. I can honestly see better at Bush Stadium. However, we turned it into a beach trip, and I got a better tan than I would have if I would have been sitting at the ballpark. Um, I did see Harrison Bader and Paul DeYoung walking down the street one day, but I was driving and wasn't able to stop or yell out the window quick enough. So those are my 2020 highlights from spring training. Uh, Not exactly what I was expecting. Uh, The Cardinals did have some interesting competitions going on in spring training. One was for an outfield position um, and at least one starter spot. It remains to be seen if Miles Michaelis will be ready for the season whenever it starts. Uh, If not, the Cardinals will still have two starting spots that they'll need to fill. Uh, Carlos Martinez seemed to reclaim one of the starter spots, and I think... um, The Cardinals were probably leaning towards uh, the new pitcher, K.K. Kim. As a lefty, he would probably get the other spot. Hopefully everyone in the bullpen will be healthy and ready to go when the season starts. Andrew Miller was definitely on the road to recovery, so hopefully he'll be good and ready to go. Filling out the outfield spot was definitely going to be very interesting Dylan Carlson, the Cardinals prospect, definitely showed he's worth the hype. He looked major league ready or darn close to it. I'm not really convinced that the Cardinals would have had him on the opening day roster. They most likely probably would have decided to go with Tyler O'Neill. I personally, um, I'm cool with Carlson starting in Memphis just to get him in the flow and see how he does. But hey, if one of those outfielders that, that we have in St. Louis is sticking it up, They need to go ahead and call him up and let him go. Let's not throw games away, especially if we're going to play a shortened season. And I'm very excited to see what decisions they actually make. I'm definitely intrigued. 
Next episode, we'll discuss the Cubs and their spring training and what highlights and topics they had from the beginning of the season and what they were expecting from their season. Given all that's going on, it remains to be seen if Major League Baseball will decide to have a shortened season or a season at all. I don't know about you all, but there's a lot of social media with players talking about other sports and ranking their all-time favorite starting five and outfielders, etc. and so on. Um, I'm really, I mean, that's great. We've got to do something to pass the time. I've enjoyed looking back at some of the best playoff games, just from all the teams, of course, for the Cardinals. You definitely have to talk about 2011 Game 6, which I'm sure some of you are are probably tired of hearing about, but that's definitely one of my favorite games. But also, I think about the Rangers and the Blue Jays and Jose Bautista and his bat flip and all that ensued in that game and in the following season when those two teams met again. Um, I'm not... Sure, how long we can sustain that. I know they're talking about potentially playing games without fans. Um, I'm not sure how everyone feels about that, but I have mixed feelings because obviously I love being in St. Louis and close to Bush Stadium and, and able to go to the games, and I actually wanted to travel and go to some road games this year as well. Um, that might not happen, but it's also – nice to just watch them on TV. So we'll see what happens with that. One of the segments I want to have on this show every episode is a stat or sabermetric of the day. Um, This is just a way, I think, to help all of us learn some of these new statistics and metrics that are being used by Major League Baseball and individual organizations to evaluate players. I'll at least feature one every every episode. Um, you may or may not be familiar with them. I know some of them, I generally know what they are, but we won't take too deep of a dive in there for those of you that do not enjoy math discussions. But I do uh, want to talk about some of the main ones that you hear on broadcasts and that teams talk about when they discuss players and prospects. The first one for this episode is wins above replacement, or it's often called war. War attempts to summarize a player's contributions in one number. Um, It compares a player's performance to an easily available replacement player, such as a a AAA minor leaguer or someone that is a free agent or easily available in a trade. It includes offensive and defensive metrics. the number of runs a player adds offensively versus how many he saves defensively. That number is then converted into wins. And so every 10 runs added or saved equal a 1.0 war. And different outlets calculate it a little bit differently, but generally it's the same. So war is a quick go-to stat to make player comparisons more apples to apples. It's an attempt to assess how valuable a player is to a team. Um, for a frame of reference, um, what's considered a, a good war, a 2-3 to three is a solid war for a starter. 
a four to five is all-star level and a six plus war is considered MVP worthy. FYI, according to ESPN, 2019's best player by war was Cody Bellinger with the Dodgers at a 9.0, followed by Alex Bregman at 8.4 and Mike Trout with an 8.3 war. So for those of you that were not yet paying attention to the current baseball season or have not been paying that close of attention recently, I wanted to just go over some of the new rule implementations that are going to take effect in the 2020 MLB season. The first one, and in my opinion, definitely the most impactful, is the three batter minimum rule. Uh, This is a rule where all pitchers, starters, and relievers now have to face at least three batters or pitch until the inning is over before they can come out of a game. The only exception to that is if an injury or illness prevents a pitcher from being able to finish his three batters. Um, Just a little side note on that. I'm not sure that they've established this yet, but I have heard discussions about um, the pitcher having to go directly to the injured list if they come out of a game before facing their minimum three batters. The obvious main effect of this rule will be on those specialist relievers, so like your lefty specialist that would come into a game to face One or two hitters um, will not be able to do that anymore. They'll have to face at least three. Um, So that could definitely present some more interesting decisions and things to consider for the managers and the pitching coaches. And also, you know, will these relievers have to change their approach um, to to certain batters because they'll definitely be facing a, a wider range of batters. It will also have an impact on those teams that were using openers. To be honest, I'm not really sure how much teams, how many teams were actually using openers every game, but I know the Brewers had done it on occasion. So if you did use an opener, they would still have to face the minimum three batters. So that leads us into a rule change about roster limits. So, The rosters, the active rosters, are being increased from 25 to 26 players during the regular season and during the postseason. So you may think that's not that impactful. Well, teams are limited to carrying a maximum of 13 pitchers, and some teams were carrying more than that, and some teams were playing around with their minor leagues, and some teams were playing around with the injured list. Um, But Major League Baseball is also adjusting the size of the September rosters to just 28 players, including a max of 14 pitchers. So no more 40-man roster expansion in September. I kind of liked seeing some of the minor league players come up and, and see what they could do in September. So I don't think I'm going to like how that looks. Um, so with the pitcher maximum 13 before August 31st, a player can now get an official two-way player designation. So a two-way player is someone who both hits and pitches. And an example of that is uh, Shohei Otani with the Angels is 
probably the most popular example. And also the Reds, Michael Lorenzen, who's a beast, by the way, and I'm a big fan. Uh, Maybe that's a topic for another episode. But this basically allows a player with a two-way designation to not be counted against a team's pitcher limit. So they basically are able to get an extra pitcher on their roster if they have a two-way player also on their roster. So no more position players pitching during the first nine innings of the game. So those of you that really enjoyed seeing your you know, backup infielder come in and pitch or your, your catcher, um, that's not going to happen um, anymore in a nine-inning game. So position players are only allowed to pitch if a game goes into extra innings. Um, before that, it's just your 13 designated pitchers or two-way p- players that are allowed to pitch. Um, teams, of course, were using position players sometimes when they felt like a game was out of hand, either they were losing very badly or winning um, by a significant number of runs. Uh, so no more fun at the end of the game for the fans as far as seeing something a little different when the game's already out of hand. Um, I'm not really sure what the intention is with that, or I guess I'm the intention with all these rule changes seems to be to um, decrease the length of a game. I do not think this is going to matter that much at all. So I'm not really sure why they even bothered to do it, but that is Major League Baseball today for you. Always trying to limit the length of a game, which I don't feel like is necessary, especially if you are messing with the integrity of a game. Okay, two more rule change notes. Um, The injured list is going back to 15 days for two-rate players and pitchers because teams were taking advantage of the 10-day injured list rule that existed the last couple of seasons. And they were putting pitchers on there who may have not necessarily been injured or at least not an injury that warranted going on the injured list in an effort to get them some additional rest or allow one of their other pitchers to have a couple of starts or bring up a minor league player. Um, Also, pitchers in um, who are optioned to the minor leagues now have to remain there for at least 15 days rather than 10 days. So I'm Positive that was Major League Baseball's effort to um, stop that practice. Position players will still have a 10-day injured list time under the new rules and a challenge time for a manager to decide whether they want to uh, review a player, get a play reviewed, um, is now only 20 seconds instead of 30 seconds. I mean... Honestly, who cares? I think they all take too long. It's annoying. Um, While we're talking about that, let's just get into replays and reviews in general. Why are we spending time trying to limit the time, or I guess I should say change the time of a challenge from 30 seconds to 20 seconds? I mean, who cares? Can we please focus on the real issues with replay, such as 
I don't know, maybe an official communication of why you called it players safe or out. I mean, we're leaving broadcasters, fans, teams to try to interpret why in the world you made a call one way or the other when clearly the replays on TV or in the stadium on the big jumbotron are showing us something completely different. And so it leaves everybody questioning and wondering, what what did you see that we didn't see? Did you have a camera angle that we don't have here? Did you slow down and see something else? Are you interpreting a rule differently than we are? Are you referencing a rule that maybe we're a fan of the ballpark and we don't know about? Or maybe we're a fan at home and we've never heard of it. So to me, those are the real issues with replay and reviews. It's not whether the manager has 30 seconds or 20 seconds. We want to know why you made that call, New York. Who's there in New York? I mean, we know it's like umpires, but who is it? And then also, sometimes the reviews just take entirely too long. I mean, in a regular season game, especially with two teams that, you know, aren't maybe in a playoff hunt, can we just make a a quicker call and I don't know whether it's the communication time to communicate it to the umpires it sounds kind of seems like with the headsets on they get like a safer out type of communication so that shouldn't take that long what are they doing in New York I mean do they get up from the desk and walk around and like you know go to the snack room and then when they decide that they want to come back that's when we're actually getting plays reviewed are they discussing it with you with each other what exactly is happening in New York when they're reviewing these plays and why sometimes does it take so long and then they come back with a call that we cannot interpret and do not understand what is that can we fix that please that would be very helpful and I would be very happy and pleased if we could focus on that and not going from challenge time 30 seconds to 20 seconds. Because, again, who cares? Okay, let's talk about a player you may not know, but you should. This episode, we are going to talk about Ozzie Albies, the 23-year-old switch-hitting second baseman of the Atlanta Braves. I got to see him up close when the Braves and the Cardinals played each other in the 2019 playoffs, And I was very impressed. In the 2019 season, he had a 295 batting average, 24 home runs, 189 hits, and a 5.2 war. He also won the 2019 Silver Slugger Award for second base. And if you're wondering about his defense, he was runner-up to Colton Wong of the St. Louis Cardinals for the 2019 Gold Glove pretty impressive so check him out when the season starts i hope you enjoyed the first episode of the baseball empress podcast you can follow the show on instagram at the baseball empress underscore podcast and at the baseball thanks for listening and remember this ain't your grandma's baseball podcast and it sure as hell ain't your grandpa's